Welcome to Vegan Business Talk with Katrina Fox, author of Vegan Ventures, Start and Grow an Ethical Business. Hello and welcome to episode four of Vegan Business Talk. I'm Katrina Fox, journalist, media trainer and editor of veganbusinessmedia.com, the multimedia blog providing success tips for vegan business owners and entrepreneurs. In this episode, I interview Georgie Campbell, co-founder of Addiction Food in Sydney, Australia. This is another interview that I did for my book, Vegan Ventures, Start and Grow an Ethical Business. And Georgie's also a really good friend of mine too. I met her and her husband, Grant, when they were both first starting out their business, Addiction Food, many years ago. And I've been so happy to watch their business grow. They're both incredibly hard workers and it's really fantastic to see it pay off. Addiction Food makes delicious handmade sweets and healthy plant-based treats that are organic, fair trade and sustainable. In this interview, Georgie talks about how the business deals with the challenge to stay competitive and attract clients while raw materials are increasing in price. And this is something that a lot of small business owners can relate to. Why she decided to stop using the word vegan in their branding and marketing, the importance of having another passion away from your business and much more. Here's the interview with Georgie Campbell of Addiction Food. What are your reasons for running your business, which is very socially conscious? I know you make a real effort to be, uh, you know, not only, you know, vegan and animal free and cruelty free. You know, you're also aimed to be as sustainable and, uh, you know what I mean, you take that hold on board. What are your reasons and your drivers for doing that? Okay. What's your... So, yeah, the number one reason is animal welfare. Um it, it, it just tops the list. Um, we, we have for, fallen into the health food movement, um, and that's great. However, it's number one, first and foremost, animal welfare, um, animal rights, and just compassion, basically, for all, all living creatures. Um, it's also a sustainable product. And it also, I guess the why is um, it's sort of educating people. Um, as we're getting bigger as well, people are creating, you know, so there's a bit of a buzz happening and there's a lot of interest in it um, and so there's a bit of education in there um, and also just providing plant-based alternatives for everybody. Fantastic. Mm. Now I know I think we've sort of touched on this maybe in, in conversations before. In terms of you know vegan food um, and even more so if it's organic and sustainable, often the raw materials are more expensive because it's not subsidised. Um, so how do you deal with that challenge to to stay competitive and attract clients? Mm. It's actually a really good time to ask that question um, because we've just been really really hammered by that lately. Um, the majority of our products, 80%, uh, not only vegan but they're certified organic. Um, and now there's a massive shortage of not only apricots but apples, um, pears we can't get. Um, everything's gone through the roof price-wise. So unfortunately, we're actually going to have to pull back on some of our products and cease production until the new season comes through. Um, and that that's not a decision we make lightly. We do... Um, when we do our costings, um, they are spot on and we have leave room for extreme variables um, and we do factor those in. Um, but sometimes there's a point where you just can't go with it. Um, as far as, um, um, you know, keeping customers interested and, 
um, attracting customers. We, we're always trying to come up with innovative new ideas and products with a story behind them. Um, and the story, I think, is the biggest thing. Um, I find people love to, a story. Um, and with that story, they can then make an informed choice. Um, and so it's almost like the ripple effect, really. Um, you know, we'll find people will probably continue to support us even if we perhaps run out of their favourite product. And it's interesting, Katrina, because now we've never actually had to pull a product. Um, we've never been in this situation, but it looks like we might have to pull three um, probably until early next year. Um, and so, yeah, it's difficult, but it's just a matter of being innovative and coming up with something new for people. I love that. I think you've covered a lot in there, and that's really, really good because, as you say, you've made that business decision. Like you said, you haven't made it lightly, but, you know, you've made it in order to keep the business running. And and I think, as you say, you've built such a good relationship with your clients that they'll understand, you know, and they'll have, have something else. Um, and, and I love what you said about the story behind it and, and you know, people knowing that. So that that's brilliant. Thank you for, for sharing that. That's mm. fantastic. Now, I know this next question's a, a bit of a one. Again, we've, we've had a bit of a, a chat about that, is that, you know, there's such a lot of demands on business owners' time nowadays, you know, as well as working in their business and, you know, doing the actual filling of orders, et cetera. Um, you know, there's also the social media and there's this and there's that, and it can feel a bit overwhelming. So I'm curious, how do you cope with that and, and what advice would you give to other people in regards to that overwhelm, particularly people who are, are starting out? <laughs> well, first of all, I've got a really good sense of humour. Um, now, I guess it's, it's a hard one because I guess for me, failure is not an option. Um, I've got a crazy passion with a can-do attitude and you know, sometimes it's just so full on. And I, I just look and I laugh, you know. Um, and I, I think the, the, the difference um, between, you know, actually making it or, or not getting there is you've got to have 100% commitment. Not, not 95%, not 98 You've got to be 100% committed to your cause. And I think... Um, for us, with our business, there's, like I said, with the story, there's so much behind it that drives us. Um, so I find with a lot of businesses that start out and they want an ethical business, but they might not be walking the walk. And so unless you've got it, it on all levels um, and you say that failure is, is not an option, um, it, it can be difficult. Um, I think I think it's really important not to overdo it uh keep, try and keep it simple but yeah good sense of humor <laughs> <laughs> that's a great answer i love that now how much time would you say you think so i know it sounds like you know you're obviously coming up like you said you're innovating you're coming up with new products and stuff approximately how much time um would you spend for example per week working on your business rather than directly in it so as opposed to just kind of filling the orders and making the stuff mm. actually doing that big picture strategizing brainstorming ideas you know looking at ventures ways to improve and grow that's interesting as well because I spoke with Brown about this last night and there actually isn't an easy answer. The bottom line is we live and breathe it all the time. So while I might be putting a batch of brownies you know, in the oven while maybe sending an email and taking a, a delivery from our suppliers, I might come up with something. In the middle of the night, I'll dream about it and come up with something. It's constant, Katrina. It's a matter of time. I mean... 
I guess we started seven years ago, uh, and it's it's normal for us to work 120 hours a week. But I guess when you're living, it's it's just constant. It's 24 seven. It really is. Um, yeah, I, I've never actually gone right. I'm going to sit down and strategize and come up with an idea. It just it's constant. I'm always reading, reading, always learning, and getting inspired by you know lots of things that are constantly happening. So yeah, it's all the time. Cool. Okay, and I think that really goes back to the need, like you said, to have that passion mm. that keeps you going. So it's not just a business, mm. there's that cause behind it. That's brilliant. What were some of your key challenges when you were first starting up, Georgie? Well, I think that obviously there's a financial um, challenge. Um, so, you know, living on the absolute bare necessity, um, so that the financial side can be really tough. Also, not having any mentors. Um, I just we just were flying solo the whole time. Time was another factor. Constantly trying to get things done. Um, I don't think that's really changed much. <laughs> but um, it's just us, just only us doing it. And I think uh, another factor was a lot of people sort of say, "Well, you know, that's sort of not going to work." And um, yeah, just 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 being really on our own in that was was quite tough. Um, and then not until we started really getting to talk to other people and saw that we had a support. Um, but again, even with that support, it was still owning us. Um, yeah, that was the yeah. biggest How challenge. How did you sort of handle handle those challenges? How did we handle them? Yeah. Um, well, I guess I'm lucky, you know, to be working with not only my husband, who's my best mate, as well as my business partner. Um, you know, he he's right on my side with activism, uh, with wildlife rescue, with um, anything that we're involved in. He's right there with me. So having, I guess, if I was on my own, it would have been really tough. But we're like peas in a pod, the two of us. So I think, um, yeah, we just took it all head on um yeah so i think that that was that was how we handled it and that's how we are handling it <laughs> yeah yeah um you i think you probably already touched on this next one just in terms of some of the key challenges right now and you mentioned uh that because a lot of your 80 percent of your the produce is organic the the raw materials and uh, and stuff like that mm. um so i'm guessing is there anything else you want to add to that one or is that the kind of the key um, well, overheads uh, have been really, I mean, financially, yeah, but overheads have been big. Um, obviously, a bit of sleep deprivation, uh, that's that's a little tough. Uh, Work-life balance, well, you can pretty much give that up for a while. Um, I think when you say running an existing vegan business, I think it's the same for any business um, because vegan business really is no different to any other business. You've still got your running costs, your wages, you know, sourcing ingredients. It may be a little bit more challenging because it can be tougher to find support. Um, government and um, council regulations, massive challenges and continue to be. Um, staff overheads, that, that, that's huge. I mean, minimum wage in Australia is far higher than overseas for this sector for us. So, um, yeah, that can be quite tough. Got it. Mm. What particular sets or strategies are you putting in place to, to overcome those mm. challenges? Systems and systems and more systems. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I read a lot. I read a lot. If I'm not working, I'm reading. 
Um, and I, I found, you know, obviously systems, if, if you're clear, if, if people know the task that they really have to do really clear, then it just makes all the difference. So that way you can delegate, that way you can have support within stuff. So I guess the, um, the steps and strategies are, yeah, systems, uh, delegation, yeah, Keeping your finger on the pulse, basically, bringing in more staff, yeah. Right, perfect, perfect. Um, now, how do you get people to sort of stop and take notice of your business? Because, you know, there's lots of other businesses sort of vying for attention, you know, and they're kind of bombarded, you know, with notifications, messages, offers, all this kind of thing. How do you sort of find that balance between, you know, getting people to keep you front of mind yeah. uh, and your stuff without feeling like you're kind of being really pushy and harassing them. Yeah, I, I think that's relatively simple, Katrina. I think the answer to that is to offer a point of difference. I think it's that simple. You know, um, pe- people will choose. Often, um, they'll, they'll, you know, follow. They're, they're price driven. The majority of people are, but also um, a lot of people are constantly looking for new innovative ideas or looking for products that are completely different to what else is on the market. Um, so yeah, offering a point of difference and also having that story behind it. For example, you know, if we are marketing a particular product, we often tell the story in that marketing material and that often creates a bit of interest. Um, yeah. That's a really good point. Mm. That's a really good point. Yeah, um, so we touched on this a bit about the uh, I can't hear you, sorry, Han. I've just lost you there. Sorry, can you hear me? Yep, that's a bit better. Yep. Oh, cool. So, how much of a challenge do you find? Because you mentioned, like I say, you've got you know your very high standards for your for your product. Mm. How much of a challenge do you experience finding service providers that have got similar ethics to you? So, I guess I'm thinking about in terms of those kind of raw materials or other providers, whether for packaging or whatever. Yeah. Um, Is that a challenge or? Uh, Yeah, (laughs) very challenging. uh, yeah, it's extremely challenging. Um, uh, talking to people um, and understanding people. So we, we pretty much give people interviews without them even knowing us, and we might do 10 of those before we even look at considering them. Um, uh, yeah, what one typical, a, a very, a very good example was uh, is pest control. Now, pest control is extremely important, if you like, in the food business. Now, for me, pest control is pretty simple. You just uh, prevention, <laughs> and it's it's quite simple by keeping a place clean. So I'd like to say, you know, our, our premises are basically pest free. However, with uh, government standards, and everything we have to prove that they're, you know. Um, pest controls come in. So finding the right people using environmental things and um, cruelty-free, you know, and that's really, really tough. Um, you know, there was a guy using those sticky traps the other day. So, yeah, it takes us a long time to find the right people. Um, I go with the gut feel a lot. I find that works. Um, just sticking to our ethics, both in both in per- personally and in business, and you know, finding people that do the same. Lovely, mm. I love that. How do you go about finding and keeping experienced and motivated staff? Ah, uh, uh, well, experience we don't find. Um, 
because I don't think there are experienced staff in our industry. Um, so what we do look for in finding the right people is we, we look for someone really positive um, and personally motivated, uh, happy not just for the interview but generally in life. Um, got to have the right attitude and we train them. We train them, uh, we pay them well, we create that team culture and we get them involved in our business. And, you know, with, with that, we give them that responsibility and, and they love it. And, and we generally know straight away if they're going to fit that. So, um, yeah, we train them, basically, when we find the right ones. We're constantly looking. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. And it's great that you, you look for those qualities because that makes a big difference. Mm. So you started your business, say, seven years ago, which is 2007, so it was still, it was, you know, kind of just pretty much around the time of the, the global financial crisis. Mm. So I'm just curious, like, did you, was that a factor for you? Did that impact you in any way, what was going on? I know Australia maybe didn't suffer as much as, right. you know, other yeah, people. yeah. So um, Grant and I worked two or three jobs, both of us, um, and so we worked in paid positions for other companies uh, and for ourselves probably 60 hours a week as well as starting our business. And just to throw it out there, I, my daughter is now seven years old too. So, um, yeah, <laughs> she, it, it was full on. It's been full on. We did have a bit of family support, uh, but not on the financial side. Um, Got it. Now, cool. that's good advice, I think, as well, you know, so, you know, if you need to have a part-time or full-time job yeah. to get those tough times that, that that's that's good so um so we mentioned yeah i think we've covered the next one which is around you're standing out um and even st you standing out within the vegan business arena it's i guess it's that unique point of difference as you've mentioned mm. um, so and many marketing gurus nowadays the idea is they often say that nowadays businesses should actually stop thinking about having competitors and instead embrace them as collaborators mm. curious mm -hmm. what your thoughts on that are whether that's you know realistic or you know a bit woo woo um and whether you've done any such partnerships? Well, or... yeah, we, well, we have, yeah. Um, so, so yes and no um, to that, Katrina. Um, I think it's great to work together uh, on a support network um, because you can really bounce off each other. However, we have had an experience, and it's been a disaster for us financially. So um, we have done it twice. Um, and it's mainly been with distributors, um, and it's always really, really high risk. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're very careful with that now. Um, also, as far as letting go of your IP as well. So there have been a few different um, sort of things happen over the past few years, more than I care to mention, really, um, unfortunately, yeah, a lot of people might be, you know, animal rights orientated, but it comes down to personally being ethical as well. Um, and a lot of the time, people are blinded by money. Uh, or they're brilliant, but they're not good with their actual business itself. They might make, you know, they could be a great friend, great business ideas, but they may not actually be very good at business itself. Um, and just, just going back to your previous question um, with the standing out in the vegan business arena, the other thing is being local um, so and focus on Australian made and also having that good old-fashioned personalised service. So a lot of the vegan products that we purchase, and we do a lot, um, are all offshore. They're all made overseas and not a lot are actually made in Australia. 
Um, and so that's that's another thing. I think people want to sort of reduce their carbon footprint as well um, and are looking at more local produce. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. Very good point. Mm. So the mindset section. Um, so a lot of business owners say, you know, running and owning uh, their business, it's the fastest and most effective form of personal development. Mm. Um, literally forces you to grow as a person. Um, so what qualities would you believe um, are essential to staying the course and running a, a successful business mm. and a successful vegan business in this instance? Yeah. So, again, going back to that positive can-do attitude and having that passion, um, as with any business, you've got to be prepared to do everything yourself, um, every role in your business. Um, you've got to be able to swallow your pride, you've got to have stamina, and you've also got to learn from your mistakes. Um, so we're constantly evolving with that, yeah. Perfect, brilliant. Now what steps or, you know, strategy, I know you've mentioned the sense of humour, I just wonder if there's any others that you use, um, you know, just to ensure that you've got a, a good, strong mental and emotional well-being as a business owner, mm. because obviously it's going to get stressful and things are going to go wrong and you're working long, long hours. So is there anything else you, you do other than your fabulous sense of humour? I was going to say, uh, did I mention that? <laughs> All right, yes, yeah, sense of humour. Um, look, having a, a great personal life, personal relationship with my husband, I mean, look, that, 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 that I guess, really grounds me. Um, maintaining it since fewer and keep doing another passion as well that can take you away mentally and emotionally from your business, whatever it may be, whether it be meditation or rescuing tadpoles or, I don't know, constantly being creative, whatever that may be that's slightly out of, um, out of you know, your general, what you'd normally do within your business. I think... I think that's a big one, just being able to disconnect from it every now and again. Yeah. Yeah, that's lovely. And I think you like being out in nature, I'm guessing, from what I, sort of pictures I see. You seem to enjoy being out in nature and mm, swimming. I do. I really do. I'm pretty sure. I mean, I, I'm pretty happy just I, I'd sleep in a swag over a bed any day. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, I, I'm right at home and the outback and anywhere outdoors, really. Anywhere where there's trees. Yeah. So in these seven years that have gone past in Georgie, what have been the key lessons you've learned through running your business, whether personal, professional or both? Mm. Um, well, hard work and I guess the key lessons. It is, it's hard work and I've got no time for procrastination within my own head or within anyone else's. I find... I have, I have lost a little bit of patience because of the time factor. Um, and once I, I, I tend to make a decision, I just go for it. The other important thing is, I think, is to give people your trust, uh, but not too much as well, um, and go with your gut feel. Yeah. Got it. Mm. Lovely. So just in the beginning then, when you were starting out, what, if any, per, uh, expert help have you used over the years to grow your business? Mm. Uh, whether you've hired any business coaches, any marketing help, publicity or anything? Nothing, Katrina, nothing at all. I, I thought long and hard about it. In fact, I went through all my old emails, nothing. <laughs> nothing at all, yeah. That's all right, that's fair enough. Mm. Um, what would you say, because I know you said you and Grant were working um, full-time mm. 
before you started your business. So for those of the people who are in that position now who, you know, they aspire to owning a, a vegan-run business, what, in your opinion, are the key things they need to take into account before making the jump from employment to self-employed? Okay. okay. Um, you've got to have a 100% commitment to your mission and nothing else can come into it. Um, you can't go into it going, oh, you know, maybe we'll see how it goes. It's all or nothing. That's my personal experience, and that would be my advice. Um, you can't be a little bit, oh, I'm not too sure, and I'll sort of wing it. It's just got to be 100% or not at all. Um, because you don't actually just want to buy yourself a job, you know. You actually want to either you run the business. And let's face it, generally speaking, a business, if it's a business, then it's got to be something that later on down the track, it, it, it's um, it's actually worth something, I guess. Uh, or you can just buy yourself the job and then you'll just be there the whole time. Um, so, yeah, I think, yeah, 100%. Cool. What about things like making sure you've got enough capital in place or having a business plan? Any of that mm. sort of important um, Well, again, I mean... Here's me saying, you know, I mean, I've never had a business plan. Um, and I must admit, I get hammered for it the whole time. And people still ask me, but I actually don't have a business plan. It's quite organic how it evolves. Um, in saying that, it's starting to come to a point where I think maybe I should start looking at putting together a business plan. Um, I'm not sure why. It sounds a bit like a birth plan, to be honest. It kind of goes out the window as you go along. Um, but... Mm. Yeah, I think um, financially, well, again, we, we worked those jobs. We just kept on working it until we knew that we could kind of, you know, get by. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I think that's important. That's good. Yeah, that's a good point for sure. Mm. Cool. So I think we've covered that next bit, which is funding it. Like you say, you, you worked your job until um, the, where, at what point did it become that to that point, George? Like, where, how did it sort of happen? Was it just a case of you just kept doing what you were doing, going out to the market, getting yourself in front of the vegan community as well, until you reached that tipping point that you were able to leave your jobs and concentrate full time on addiction food? Mm. Um, well, I guess. What point did we decide? We did get a loan. We got a business loan, um, and so that did help. But the key to that was having a fixed rate loan. Um, so we, we we did a we cal we calculated that risk, um, and so if it was all to sort of turn upside down, we still knew how those or how much those repayments would be. Um, and so that's how, how we, I guess, how we started it, um, you know, working other jobs. Um, yeah, I guess you've just got to do your research and you've got to know your industry um, and you've got to get your costings right. You've really got to get your costings right and plan efficiently. Yeah, mm. yeah. Oh, this is great. This is brilliant stuff. Um, so on to marketing, branding and PR. And you, in regards to the use of the word vegan, this is a range that everyone seems to like this question and people have got such different views. Um, in your marketing materials, so on your website, your brochures and the prominence of the word, yeah. um, two schools of thought. One, it's limiting uh, because it can scare some people away or they think that it's only for vegans or it's clever niche marketing. What are your thoughts on that? And just tell me a bit about your choice of how you use the word in your marketing and why. Mm. Well, if you asked me seven years ago, 
I would have gone for the whole, it's clever, it's niche, and it's all of that, and I would just completely turn around now and say that. Um, unless it's a vegan expo or a vegan festival or something like that, we do not use that word. Um, it just, in our experience, for most people, and we're talking most people, so mainstream, um, unfortunately, there's been... Too many people take it on board that you're making them wrong. Um, and we're just going with our own personal experience. And it's been quite nasty sometimes. Um, so we, we just do it a slightly different way. And I guess, too, I found that, you know, most people, when they decide to go vegan, they weren't born vegan. The majority of us, if they were lucky enough to be born vegan, well, they're in the absolute minority. Um, you know, I grew up eating steak for breakfast, and it's only when I started questioning it and looking at it and listening to people. Um, but sometimes I found a lot of vegans, and not not so many, but enough are too black and white. Um, with people and I'm also fairly highly emotional so I can take it the wrong way too so I'm very careful how we use that word um, we found too a lot when we started our business as well we, we had quite a few vegetarian products and at that point I thought that organic eggs were you know the way to go um, and then we've since realised that that maybe is not the case but again it's it's been a learning curve and People start, you know, it's better that they eat an organic egg than a caged egg, but other people just say, look, you know, you can't. And so that pregnant person just won't even talk to them again because it makes them wrong. So um, it's educating people slowly, surely. And I just don't think vegan, the word vegan is the one to use. I, I think say plant-based, say sustainable, say compassionate, say whatever you want, but vegan, yeah, it just seems to be a bit of a swear word. <laughs> I'm not sure why, but it is. Yeah. Well, yeah, but that's great. I, I, I really love getting it, all the different responses to that, and that, that's, that's actually very valid. So I appreciate you sharing that with me. Mm. Um, have you used or do you use um, media as part of your PR strategy? I don't mean paid ads. I mean like editorial kind of coverage on, you know, local papers, TV, that kind of stuff. Mm. Um, no, well, we, we have, but we haven't. We, put it this way, we've never actively seeked it out. Um, so, um, but we, I guess we have had a fair bit of media, but it's all come to us. We've never actually looked at, you know, it's been through, finally, you know, like I did a, a wildlife show um, with Animal Planet and that was all on rescuing snakes and, you know, then people started talking about addiction food and it just one thing led to another and I guess, um, you know, there's been a few things sort of indirectly associated with our other work, you know, wildlife rescue and things like that, um, Sea Shepherd, um, yeah, and it's just kind of been written up in a paper or the, or the Herald or something like that, but not actively looking for it, yeah. Okay, all right, cool. What current marketing strategies do you use and which do you find most effective? Mm. Um, well, again, we, we don't, Katrina. It's all been word of mouth. Um, and saying that, we do sponsor and um, donate a lot to charities. And I think... A lot of the time you do get um, recognition, um, what, what's the word, 
uh, promotion, um, you know, people will talk about your business and things. Um, being active in the community, um, I guess it kind of just goes with it and it hasn't been something that we look at and go, hey, this is a great way to market the business, but people will come around and say, hey, I saw you at, you know, this, this thing because they were talking about all the great food you supplied for this event. So, um, I think, yeah, charity donations, that type of thing tends to come back, uh, in a positive way but not actively, you know, having any particular marketing strategies. Word of mouth. Word of mouth, that's So that was Georgie Campbell from Addiction Food in Sydney, Australia. You can find out more at addictionfood.com.au and you can find that link on the show notes page at veganbusinessmedia.com forward slash podcasts. Now for our news roundup. Google searches for the word vegan climbed 32% from 2014 to 2015 in the US, reports latest vegan news. Now, this is really good news for vegan business owners because it's showing considerable increased interest in veganism. According to the search engine's data, which it shared with latest vegan news, the top three questions asked that were related to the search term vegan were, number one, what is a vegan? Two, what do vegans eat? And three, what is vegan leather? And number three is particularly good to note because we often associate vegan with food. So it's really good to see that people are searching for veganism in relation to other things as well. And in this case, vegan leather. It'll be interesting to see some global figures on this, but certainly the American figures are very promising. VX, the fabulous quirky store in London that sells a diverse range of products from junk food and unique items you're unlikely to find anywhere else, to its own fashion brand, Secret Society of Vegans, has opened a branch in Bristol. I'm really happy about the expansion of this brand because I've got a Secret Society of Vegans t-shirt and I absolutely love it and everyone comments on it whenever I wear it because it's not the sort of thing that you can buy anywhere, it really is unique. The Bristol Post featured a positive story on VX's launch, calling the venue more punk rock than hippie shake. Now, whenever I can, I like to offer you a bit of a PR tip on these podcasts. Local media can be your friend. If your business has a physical location and services a local area, let the media know, especially if you're the first of your kind in your area. A new business in New South Wales, Australia is boldly going where no ice creamery has gone before. Space Bars is a brand new innovation that launched recently at the Brisbane Vegan Festival. Veg News broke the story of this unique ice cream product that doesn't require a freezer. Instead, it uses liquid nitrogen to instantly cool their tasty treats to minus 196 degrees Celsius. The owners Kashina and Jali acknowledge that the element of danger involved in liquid nitrogen makes it more fun. <laughs> so Space Bars is a pop-up shop at the moment based in the Northern Rivers region of Northern New South Wales. They're about to launch a regular market store and they'll continue to take their mobile business on the road to appear at festivals and other events. And finally, Montreal is set to be home to an all-new vegan cheese shop. Now, you might remember in a previous episode, I mentioned Riverdale, the new vegan cheese store in New York that opened recently. Now Canada's getting on board with the vegan cheese revolution. I love that I can say that. In fact, so much I'm going to say it again. Vegan cheese revolution. (laughs) Move over dairy industry. We are coming at you. 
Guster is the name of this company in Montreal and they make vegan cheese and vegan charcuterie products. MTL Blog reports that the company will be opening its own boutique store very soon and you can check out Guster's Facebook page for updates. That's it for this episode of Vegan Business Talk. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm Katrina Fox and I look forward to catching up with you on the next episode. Bye for now. 